Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. You just started listening to episode 209 of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, my week in Chatham, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, with my family for my mother-in-law's 70th birthday party. This podcast is going to be a mix of interviews and me exploring the Cape and filling you in as I try to learn how to catch fish there as soon as possible to maximize my time fishing. Not only do I search for fish, I try and find the best sandwich on Cape Cod, and I elaborate on my disdain for the beach and all things sand. Thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're in Bear's Den Fly Shop, and they have an indoor casting area. See, there's no need to go outside. with pretty much every promotional poster from the last 20 years. 20 years. Look at that. Like the Hardy Girl. My goodness. Remember when this was scandalous back in the day? So how long has this shop been open? Uh, it opened in uh, 1989. And this is all your baby? No, my father started as a firearm store back in the late 80s. Um, about 21 years ago, went strictly fly. Been doing that full-time ever since. Coming up on uh, 30-year anniversary of the company. My goodness. In February. I know I've seen you guys at the show, but I had no idea the place was this big. Nice. 
<clears throat> so this room's 120 feet long. Uh, you get a you know 50 foot back cast, 70 feet to the wall. Just gives you a good feel. You know, got all the all the new rods in here for people to play with. What's the ceiling height in here? Uh, 22 feet. My goodness. So you guys can sell rods in the worst weather possible. Yeah, man, I don't have to worry about those four months every year. Right, it's pretty nice. Come do on. these ones sell at all? The Diamondback? Yeah, I absolutely do, man. That's why having an out here for people to throw made the difference, you know? Just that interesting feel on the court. Yeah, come on upstairs. I'll show you the Put this in the upstairs. Whoa, try not to break stuff. My goodness. So this is where we do uh, a little fly tying, rod building, smaller events, 25, 30 people. Put a projector Small up events, up. 25 to 30 people. Got <laughs> a uh, projector up on the wall, does about a 15 foot screen. And, um, you know, speakers up in the ceiling, you know, just kind of keeping it clean. So this is where we play in the winter. That is awesome. The Wednesday night group slows down fishing. They come up here and tie flies. Yeah, so I'm going to try to meet up yeah. with the Wednesday night group. Nice. Nice. You got a guitar to match all the Able stuff? Uh, it's, uh, it's an Able axe made in the factory back in the 90s. Did it for, I think, never three years. Seen that. It took me a while to get a hold of that. Yeah. Oh, this place is also a museum almost. Yeah, that's so where we kind of did the art gallery. We brought all the, all the paintings and all the artwork up here. It kind of got lost in the shop, so... Having the ability to hang it and step back and look at it, it's kind of nice. It's too bad this is uh, like a nine-hour drive from home. <laughs> well, reach out online, man. Yeah, absolutely. So you did the e-commerce as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then Saturday, today you've got the event going on in the parking lot? Yeah, TNT, uh, Hatch, and Wolf. Crosby's representing all. All right. Yeah, he does a great job. Clippings from back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Hey, where did the name Bear's Den come from? Is your dad nicknamed Bear? Uh, he uh, he shot a bear back in the mid-80s, had it mounted, and it was in a basement, so it started as the Bear's Den. Okay. Is that the one that's downstairs? Uh, no, no. Uh, we retired that one after 25 years or so. That was The one downstairs was one of my customers hooked me up with. You can see it was primarily fire yeah, back in the day. That's the old store downstairs. Sarah's been with us for know, 15 years or something like that. My sister came on. And she's the one with the... Is that her great name? Yes. Yeah. That's a cool shop, dog. Yeah, look at that. Old neoprenes and yeah, rods in a box. Yeah, it's probably early 90s. And some of the shows. And old broad rack. <laughs> How big is the time or the, the retail space downstairs? Uh, 3,000. 3,000 square for the retail, 2,000 for the casting. And you pretty much have got every brand represented. Try to cover most of them, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You must be really appreciated up here. Yeah, it's a good scene, man. People enjoy it. And you know, they support us, too. You know, help us, help us keep these doors open, which is awesome. Yeah, and you have your own show in the winter also? That's the February. February? Event. Yeah. Every year I make it another year. That's kind of my thank you. Throw a free show and... That'll be our 30th year um, of the company we're doing. I think it's the 16th this year. Okay. 16th of February. After everyone's all filled up with chocolate from Valentine's Day. Yeah, I think kind of in the middle of winter there, it's time to get out and play for a minute. 
All right. Bend it. I got to get back down to the shop because I'm not buying Let's stuff when I'm up here looking around. Let's do it. My goodness. This is beyond impressive. Did you get down to ICAST this year? This is all the boat products? Yeah, doing a new canoe now. We um, picked them up about two years ago, and uh, it's just a matter of getting them in. I, of course, I pick a company as far away as they could be over on the West Coast, and getting stuff over here is a challenge, but that's the only only negative about it. Everything else is incredible. Those are Bulldog, too. Rumble. Yeah, Those are some people-looking eyes. <laughs> they do have people. Yeah, He's got a face. Mm. All right. The kid called her upside down vampire face yesterday. And the little kid. <laughs> that was on the Kineos. Remember? Oh, I nice. Good nice. Yeah. Four weight ride. He's got an eye like the dog over there. On a four weight? Four weight. That'll take a while. It took him 25 minutes to land it and 15 minutes to revive it. My goodness. Oh, am I allowed back here? Yeah, you're all right. All right, so you got all the lines organized. Full line of vices. There are 40, 38, 6, 2. I'm going through all of the towers of retail. There are 64 way towers of fly tower material in this store. Books, CDs, DVDs, flies, backpacks, Yeti coolers, old DVDs. Stripping baskets. Echo, TFO, Hardy, Diamondback, Sage, Winston, Beulah, Loomis, Orvis, TNT, Eden Kane, Clutch, and then some old looking stuff. Are these the old rods right here? Yep, all used. Yep. My goodness. Well, here's Anthony. Do you want to say hi? How's it going? We had him on. He was the last person you heard on the podcast. All right, so I'm going to stop recording so I can walk around. I don't know how much time I've got left. Morning. It's 4.45 a.m. The morning after the full moon, I'm walking across the beach on a sand dune right now to go striper fishing on Cape Cod. It was pretty easy to wake up this morning. I was actually up about 30 minutes before I had to wake up. Just kind of hung out in bed. And there's enough ambient light right now that, I don't know, it's, it's super bright out here. I can read. I'm walking towards the mouth of one of the tidal creeks. And my plan is to start swinging flies in about 20 minutes when that sun rises above the horizon and I can see. I hope I'm going the right direction right now. It may be dark out here, but... I'm still not exactly sure where I'm going. My plan is to swing for streamers until, I don't know, about 8.30, and then head back and start making breakfast for everybody. We'll see how this goes. It's almost 5.30. The worst part about being out here, other than getting skunked so far, is the bugs. I really could use one of those mosquito net face mask hat jammies i've got back home the bugs out here until the sun came up have been pretty bad so i'm on a jetty outside a creek mouth 
and nothing was going on in the creek. I definitely got here too late for that, but where the water and the beach meet the rocks and the outcoming water from the tidal creek, there's a lot of bait fish in here. I still can't see what they are, but there are fish crashing all around me. I'm thinking they're eating something smaller. My clouds are going right through, and I'm not getting any bites. The fish look to be about 18, 16, 18 inches long, and I've just seen dark backs porpoising out of the water and bait popping everywhere and birds dive bombing them. It's pretty damn cool to be out here. I'm not usually out and up this early unless it's fishing related, and I am the only person out here. I can't tell you how beautiful this is. There's a pinkish blue sunrise. We've got a full moon rising out across the ocean. There's the delicious salty smell in the air. You can hear the waves lapping. And it's all mine right now. It can't get better than this unless I can hook into some fish. So I think after this, I'm gonna go back and tie up some smaller bait fish flies. Would really like to see what they are eating in here. I'm just gonna keep waiting for fish to get closer. Blind casting's not doing me any good. I will continue waiting for these crashing bait scenarios. Chuck my fly in there. I'll give this maybe another hour and then head back and start making breakfast for everybody. There's not another person awake as far as I can see. I don't see lights on in houses. There's just absolutely nothing else going on. It is dead quiet except for the waves and the birds. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. My uh, name is Scout. Were your parents literature fans? Uh, yeah, they also wanted something kind of funky, fresh. Okay. So it's, it's not from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? It is from To Kill a Mockingbird, okay. but they weren't like, I'm going to name one kid Scout, one kid Atticus, one kid Boo, sort All of right. thing, yeah. So where are we right now? We are at the Chatham Fish Pier. And there are seals hanging out. It looks like there's two species. Uh, there's actually just one species. One? That, that one was spotted looking. Like that guy right there. Yeah, so they have different colored skin and different colored hair, just like we do. Um, and so they're all the same species here, just with a lot of um, variation. What species are they? Gray seals. Gray seals. They're sometimes called horsehead seals. And they're hanging out here because food falls off? Uh, yep, they get little scraps that come out of the back of the fishing boats. And the populations of the seals have been increasing over the years, is what I've heard. Yeah, so um, in 1972, the Marine Mammal Protection Act was passed. Um, at a point in time before that, maybe 10 years before, there were, I think, 14 gray seals living on all of um, the coast of Cape Cod. Um, there had been a, a bounty on them town clerks were offering five dollars a nose or something they were wiped out here so there were more seals before and this is we're seeing a comeback now we have 30,000 to 50,000 that live off the coast of the cape of this species what do they mostly eat when they're not scrounging over here 
Right. So that's what scientists are trying to figure out right now. Um, there's this big study going out of Hui, um, and they're doing scat analysis and stomach analysis of um, deceased ones and all kinds of um, data sources, and they're compiling that to figure out what their diets are. They eat a ton of different things, um, but most of their diet is sandlance, which is sometimes called sand eel, mm -hmm. um, and that's like a bait fish. They probably will. So they're eating sand eels. Sand eels are relatively small, yeah. from what I've understood. I haven't yeah. caught Yeah, I believe so. How did you get to become the, the pure host? Um, so I'm from the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. We're up the road. Um, we support great white shark research here on Cape Cod. Um, the Cape Cod Fishermen's Alliance has been been having pier hosts who are fishermen uh, on the pier here for over a decade. Um, but we've joined up with the Fishermen's Alliance this summer to offer sort of a whole ecosystem perspective because people do have questions about the seals and about the sharks down here. Where do I go to see a shark? <laughs> the best way to see a shark on Cape Cod is actually from a plane. Um, you're really unlikely to see one from a beach around here. They don't swim dorsal fin above the water like in the movies, like everyone thinks. Um, but aerial photos do offer sort of the best way to spot them um, in their really big sort of like shadow underwater. So we're not going to see them if we're hanging out at the beaches. Where can you see them before hanging no, out? No, no, obviously we're not going to see them if we're no, hanging out at the beaches? No, not very likely. Okay. Yeah. Um, the... When was the last time you saw a gray white shark? I haven't seen one. I've been here all summer. All right. Yeah. Where are you when you're not here? Um, so I'm from South Shore, Massachusetts. I just graduated from Harvard University. So I was at Cambridge when I wasn't here. Um, but I'll be moving to California at the end of summer. Right Where about California? Uh, Berkeley. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Are you going for a master's? Uh, not yet. So I'm... Uh, my boyfriend is starting his PhD, and I am working in the Oakland School District for a year doing... Good luck with that. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm doing food and nutrition education stuff there for the year. These guys um, live in Oakland. My uh, brother-in-law is Oh, here. cool. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and I'll be applying to grad school in the meantime. Fantastic. Where can we find out about more what you're doing here online? Where can listeners go to research uh, any social media? If you're interested in... Uh, learning more about the White Shark Conservancy and what we do and some of our public safety initiatives on the Cape and the research we support, that's AtlanticWhiteShark.org. Fantastic. All right, Scout, thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. It's 2.26. I'm back where I started. Now waiting for the tide to start ripping through here. After I left this morning, I went back and I made a big frittata for everybody. And we hung out for a bit, and then we got up and went to the Chatham Pier and watched the seals. And as the seals were hanging out, some of the shark boats came in. And 6,000 pounds was their limit for the day. It was a mostly dogfish. And the fins go to China, the guts are used for fertilizer, and the meat goes to England for fish and chips. While we were hanging out there, I talked to a guy in a boat. He suggested I go up and around the bend to the armpit-shaped beach and try to fish there. We drove up and around, and the family kind of walked the beach and looked for seashells. I went as far as I could before I ran out of beach. 
where the house is and the tide were. The tide was incoming and it was racing through. My sandhill clouser wasn't getting deep enough and the floating line was just getting sucked away. So I switched to 350 grain and threw a bunch of flies. I didn't see any fish. I didn't waste too much time. Maybe 10 or 15 minutes down there. Walked up the beach looking for fish. No shadows, no signs of them. Some of the locals said they'll swim through and catch stripers off the beach. I found nothing. So then we went back to the house where everyone's eating lunch. I decided to walk down to another beach right at the high tide, which was 210. And it was a short walk. It was all mostly downhill. And the beach was maybe a third of a mile to the right. So I walked all the way down there. And it was only about a foot deep where that creek coming out. So I decided to walk back up here, and that took about 20 minutes. So back where I started. And these schools of bait fish right now, there's probably a 30 foot long school, and it's just morphing into every shape. They're just swirling around. A couple of them are skipping around. I don't see anything chasing them. So I'm going to sit tight. I put on a dropper fly, a little UV epoxy headed, super haired Glassily looking minnow. I should say glassy minnow. And the beach has got people all over it, so I don't have it to myself as I did before. So I'm going to hang out here about an hour. I met a guy named Tyler who stopped me on my walk up. He was going to grab his rod and follow me. He's never done striper fishing. And also, I was walking back from the first spot. This woman stops me and says, Are you Rob? And I'm wearing a face mask, gloves, long sleeve, a baseball hat. I was very confused how somebody would know who I am. Maybe someone I grew up with. I have no idea. It turns out it was the woman of the man I've been texting about fishing spots. I met his aunt last night at the beach. So she knew who I was. She said, I'm going to walk along this stretch of the beach. I'm just going to wait this out. It's, it's pretty cool watching these minnows. Just seeing how they just... They go from a line to a blob. They spread out and reform. Another group forms and gets bigger. The water's probably five to six feet deep and crystal clear. I can see the bottom. So hopefully any shadows are going to be stripers. I'm going to just stand on top of this jetty and look for now. All right, let me get you caught up to where we are now. It is Tuesday, the 31st of July. So I get to that large mouth of a creek, maybe three quarters of a mile from the parking lot of the beach, and I'm waiting for the tide to move, and nothing's really materialized. I wait for fish to show up, there's plenty of bait fish in the water, and nothing, and a woman walks up and says, hey, are you wearing a, a full face mask built into your shirt? I said, no. She goes, well, I just bought my son this f- shirt with a built-in face mask, And a hood, it zips up, it's awesome, you should look into it. By the way, my husband likes to fish, he's right there, let's talk to him. And she lights up a cigarette and waves her husband over and we start talking. He says, this spot used to be good before they started dredging it. The dredging changed the current flow in the channel and the fish will hang out there but not like they used to. He suggested I fish the next creek mouth up or east and another one additionally he said if i don't catch fish in those spots 
then something is absolutely wrong with the fishery here. So I hung out with him for a bit. We talked. I walked back and eventually find the family hanging out at the other beach. So I'm walking back up here and I bump into Ken's wife, who I, she'd recognized me earlier. She says, go stop at the house. Ken just got back there with the boat. He's up there at the corner, make a left, and it's the first house on the right. So I walk up, and he sees me walking in, and he assumes it's me. So we, he comes out, and we start talking. He gives me some spots to fish as well, tells me the time of day, the tides. We look at his fly box. He's got a wide variety of gurglers and clousers, deceivers, mostly with an olivey white theme to them. And we talk for about five or six minutes, and I decide I've got to get back and get cranking on uh, appetizers and dinner. So we say goodbye and come back up here. I've got to now get a cocktail hour going, which consisted of non-alcoholic spritzes for the kid. I started the grill. My wife went to some fish shop and got lobster tails for the entire family and since i don't eat lobster i was not going to partake in the lobster so i really got to the grocery store and got a ribeye and i grilled the ribeye and some corn and peppers and zucchini they showed up with all the seafood and they had some oysters we grilled those as well and we basically just had a huge dinner celebrating my mother-in-law's 70th birthday and there was a lot of flossing going on the one thing my wife cannot do is the floss dance. My mother-in-law looked like she was doing the Charles do, but my wife, absolutely out of sync. She looked like Elaine from Seinfeld, a full body he set to music. And we sat out here all night just laughing and having rosé. We brought a case of rosé with us, by the way. And we decided to turn the grill into a fire pit afterwards, managed to get all the dead limbs off the trees, and off the ground from where we are staying. That helped keep the bugs away because when the fire's not on at night, it is pretty horrendous. Then I tried to get up the next morning and it was tough. I was not getting up at the butt crack of dawn. So I slept in, I got up and went down to a place called Captain Kid, which Ken down the street had mentioned in our five-minute talk, it's a place where it's a kid's fishing boat. The kids work, they swab the decks, they bait the traps, they do all the fishing. I decided to drive over there. It's $32 per person. Kids only fishing. It's a two-hour trip. They get to keep what they catch, and they will be filleted by, I'm guessing, the staff on the boat. So we're doing that tomorrow, Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock, because yesterday it was just, Monday was just, not working with the time schedules and my mother-in-law's birthday. So we then, let's see, what did I make for dinner that night? I can't remember. So then we get up, I come back, I make breakfast for everybody. We go to the Monomoy Wildlife Sanctuary and I just think it's just going to be a building and a boardwalk walking around the shore. I have no idea, but I bring my fishing gear regardless and we walk down this little boardwalk and staircase, and it's just this absolute immense. I've seen lakes having a more loud and raucous shoreline than this. 
the water was just lapping up at the shore and there were kids playing everywhere this huge beach there were starfish and mussels and hermit crabs and just this bright white flat of water so i walked out as far as i could and fished a drop off off the flat right where the boats were coming and going and i got nothing and if i'd going it's one of the destinations i want to fish but i had not looked where I was at the time and not knowing I was at the beach by what everyone calls the weather station. So I walked back up and it had been outgoing to low tide when we got there. The tide is coming in fast. So now there's a really big drop off and I'm just waiting to see shadows of fish chasing bait because bait fish and crabs and shrimp are all around this place. Nothing materializes. I walk all the way upstream Ended up catching a crab with my pliers because last time I was in Charleston, you may remember, I got bit by a crab. Then I walk upstream from where the family now is congregated and playing in the sand. And I find drop-offs and cuts and absolutely no fish. There's nothing swimming there. And I talk to a lady who lives on the beach there. She says normally there's stripers popping and busting bait all the time, but... It hasn't been that hot of a fishery since around July 4th. I ended up finding a crab that was living in a dead hermit crab shell in one of the tide pools. That was kind of neat. And then I went with my brother-in-laws back to the grocery store where we got a bunch of provisions for dinner. As we were doing that, I tied up a bunch of flies and I was dropped off at one of the beaches. Even if I could remember the name of the beach, I wouldn't tell you. So we come back from the grocery store and we're hanging out out front and I decide I'm going to go see the neighbors next door and see if they're home. They have a massive garden and I go and knock on the door and the woman comes out and I say, hey, we just want to look at your garden. And she gives us a tour of rows of kale and peppers and carrots, onions, oh my gosh, peppers, herbs. And she ends up just giving us produce, different peppers. She grabs a monster-sized zucchini, which my daughter adopted and decided to call her baby. And it's baby Kinky Zucchinkly. And it now has large 3D fly tying eyes on it. It has baby clothes. It goes around in a stroller. It's been bathed. And she is walking around with baby Kinky Zucchinkly now for two days. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I tie up a bunch of itty-bitty flies to mimic some of the bait fish I've been seeing around. I asked to be dropped off at one of the beaches. Even if I could remember the name of the beach, I probably couldn't tell you, but there were kids galore in this tidal lagoon and parents boozing it up everywhere. And I wade out onto the sandbar and start casting into the cut along the rock wall to stabilize to prevent erosion 
absolutely nothing going on. I don't see fish biting. I don't see anything being chased. There's plenty of bait fish in the water. Every time I strip in, there are bait fish following my little one and a half inch surf candy with solar res UV around it. And I'm just blind casting upstream going from like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, one, two, three. And I just repeat these. Eventually I'm just blind casting and I hook into a fish and it's about a 23 to 24 inch striper. It's the biggest one I've ever caught and it catches me off guard. It bites the dropper fly. So I'm throwing the big sandio clouser with this little one behind it. it. Takes the little fly and I've got a whole crowd cheering me on and it's pulling off line. I'm setting the drag harder. I'm turning the fish with the rod bent and I am just ecstatic that I finally caught myself a New England striped bass with the history of them in this state it is it's an honor and just to catch a straight bass in massachusetts i've read books about how they funded the first schools in massachusetts back in the day it's such a historic fish for this area i get it to shore and i'm taking pictures of it with the hook in the mouth and then someone offers to take the picture of it with me holding i take the hook out of the mouth and it flops back in and swims off and then I fished for another 40 minutes waiting for my family to show up and got skunked. The tide started ripping through about an hour and a half after the high tide. So I'm starting to learn the tide patterns here that nothing really gets moving until about two hours after high tide. It's not too different from back home. The tides here are five feet. We're back home. They're about three feet. It's a little more extreme and they're definitely faster here. Get skunked after that one fish. Family shows up. We play in the sand, sand castles for a couple hours. Come back here. I get dinner going, which was a rice and bratwurst with peppers baked in the oven with stock and cream. We had some beer bratwurst, and then we had some rice. So I just Googled, what can you make with those? And that recipe came up. And I had gotten most of the ingredients at the grocery store. So finally, go to bed. I'm woken up, and it was hot overnight. The top sheet I have as a blanket has never been used since I've been here. I've just had on a pair of fishing pants because I am on a couch in the living room. The room I'm supposed to be in upstairs has no windows, and there's no circulation. The wife and the kid are in one room, and I was supposed to get a separate room so I could come and go early or late at night fishing, tie flies in there, etc. I've been on the couch for three nights now, tying flies on the coffee table in the middle. And this morning, we got up, and I made a turkey, bacon, sausage egg, gouda, breakfast casserole for everybody. And then we went back to the beach we were at last night and where I had been thigh deep on that sandbar yesterday, the outgoing tide was dry today at low tide. And my in-laws have no concept or understanding of tides. I'm hoping the 
wind isn't too bad right now. So I try to explain how the water drains after six hours and fills back in and drains. So I've looked up the Bill Nye Tide episode, and we're going to watch that tomorrow to explain to them because my mother-in-law could understand why there was no water where there had been water yesterday. And I was able to go across the channel and look down and see the cut and the angle of the water where I've been fishing yesterday. So hopefully tomorrow morning, my alarm's set for 5 o'clock. And we went from that beach this morning, I was not fishing, to the cone and cream, or the cream and cone, and got burgers and fried foods and pints of beer and soft serve, and it was awesome. Good fried salty food while you're on vacation. Then I had my wife drop me off at another beach today where it was a 20 to 25 minute hike in the scenery was absolutely amazing it was just sand dunes and the wind there was no one else there i had the place to my absolute self and i had these sort of distant memories of walking around the southern tip of africa or the galapagos islands The climate up here is almost the same as Cape Town-ish. And the kind of scrub, low brush to the ground, sand everywhere, very reminiscent of those two places I'd been in my youth when I was a little bit more of a traveler. And I fished off of sandbars and deep cuts. There were fish popping the surface, chasing bait. I wasn't able to hook anything there. I was casting and double hauling and water hauling as far as possible. And I had the whole beach to myself, which was fantastic. Then I was casting and a striper of about 12 to 14 inches was chasing bait right in front of me. I had no clue I was there. Unfortunately, my fly line was 40 feet away from there. I was unable to entice that fish with a long cast as it was departing the flat. So that whole area was a total bust. But hoping tomorrow I'm going to go out fish. Then we're going to do the boat tour, come back for lunch. My plan is to take the car and go do some exploring. Thursday, Provincetown. Friday, hopefully I hooked in enough fish that I can relax on the beach for once. So that has been it so far. It's been fun. I wish the fishing was better. Well, dog patrol is over. I got up this morning, Wednesday, August 1st at 5 o'clock and headed to the beach where I caught my striper the other day. Got there around 5.10, 5.15, geared up, walked out to the sandbar. There's already a guy out there fishing. He was fishing in what I thought was rather shallow water. He said he got a couple of itty-bitty schoolies, stripping basket, wading boots, shorts on. I'm still cold. I have not warmed up yet today from being all wet. What was a dry sandbar yesterday was thigh deep today on the outgoing tide. That tide was rushing through. The faster the tides rush out here, the more seaweed and algaes you're going to get on your flies. It's a real pain in the arse to constantly have to pull in your line and clean your hook off. 
and I've been fishing two flies for the past three days. I've not had to change anything up. I haven't lost any flies in a while. I haven't broken anything off. It's been the same two patterns. And I was casting into the deep cut along the jetty and sandbar drop-off. And not much was going on for about the first 20 minutes. As the tide dropped to about knee-deep, I started casting downstream and stripping upstream and hooked my first schoolie, which was about 18 inches long. And I stripped it in. Wasn't strong enough to be fought on the reel. That was on the dropper. And the second cast after that, I should say the cast right after that, the next cast, I hooked into another one, just a little bit smaller, stripped it in, got pictures, released it, and fished for another hour, and nothing materialized. There was one fish that busted bait near me. The other guy, I could hear him frustrated. He was fishing in the mouth of the creek. I didn't see him land anything. The sun finally came up. Hey, come here for a second. Can I sleep in your room tonight? Yeah. Why can't I sleep with you? You snort and you fart and you burp. What's your zucchini's name? Jesse Zucchini. And what are we going to do with your baby on Friday? I'm going to eat it. How are you going to eat your baby? I'm going to grill it. You're going to grill it? All right. You go back so I can finish. Okay. Say bye. Bye. Not cool at all. Say it again gently. Hi. Where are we going today? Kids fishing boat? I keep my fishies I get. That's right. You're eating them for dinner. Are you running along? Go eat your breakfast. Bye-bye. I ran along. Eat my breakfast. As I was saying, the other guy was fishing the mouth. He was getting frustrated. I didn't really hear him hooking into anything or see anything. I let him know I caught a fish. He was more than welcome to come over. I sort of waved at him. The sun came up behind the houses, so I was still in the shade of the houses and trees. I noticed there's no buildings here more than two stories tall. It's kind of fascinating. And I was just getting cold and chilly, standing in thigh deep to now shin deep water and nothing really materialized i just don't think there were fish there if they were there they would have eaten that's sort of how stripers are so i packed it in at about oh, 6 45 and came back here and showered the sand off of me and now we are getting ready to go out on the kids fishing boat so that's it it's seven twenty-five on august 1st Stuff. All right, so we're out on a boat. Captain, where are we? We are in Nantucket Sound, uh, 2.5 miles southwest of Sacatucket Harbor, uh, at a place called Sam's Rock. It's a big rock pile that they have a barge. They sunk a barge out here with tons of rocks on it. Um, we come out here four times a day, bring some kids fishing, and show them how to catch fish. It's pretty nuts. There's almost, I mean, there's a bite on every cast. Yeah, yeah, we find them. Yeah, absolutely. Are you a native to up here? Um, I was born on Cape Cod, but I moved away when I was four. Um, I spent my winters in Florida and my summers up here. All right. Yeah. What, uh, what's the fishery like up here when you're not out on this boat? Um, it's pretty good. Striper fishing's real good. Um, I like to fly fish for striper a lot. Um, I fish with a couple of the guys up here on their days off and stuff. Nice. But this kind of fishing stays pretty good from when I get here to when I leave. 
but when I leave, the fishing kind of is, isn't that great. <laughs> so, and where are you in Florida? Marco Island, Florida. Okay. Yeah. What's the name of your outfitter, guide service? Um, FlyFishingMarcoIsland.com. Okay. That's an easy one. To... Yeah. What do you guys chase down there? Snook, baby tarpon, tarpon snook, big tarpon, baby tarpon too, uh, redfish, black drum, triple tail. A little bit of everything. Yeah, whatever you want. How does the fishing up here compare down there? Different flies, different techniques? Very different flies. Um, I'd say the flats for striper is similar to bone fishing in the Keys and in the Bahamas. Very similar. Um, white sand, clousers, very small flies, crab patterns, stuff like that. But very different from tarpon fishing. Yeah, what's the offshore fly fishing like here? I've been hearing people like, oh, are you going out on a boat? Because it goes from 75 to 150. Yeah, we're in Nantucket Sound, so it's shallower here. If you go east of Monomoy Island, it gets deep really quickly, and you can. I've never heard of anyone doing it that I know of, but I'm sure if you ran into a big pot of tuna, you could catch one on like a 14 weight. I don't know. I've, I've never heard of anyone really doing a whole lot of offshore, offshore fly fishing here. Um, there's some canyon stuff, which is like 100 miles or more. Um, you can do mahi out there, and. Um, but yeah, other than that, striper fishing is all you can really do for big species on fly. So one thing I grew up always reading about and seeing photos was all the people on ladders. What happened to that? So um, someone said it was, it's the seals now, and the seals bringing the sharks, and people don't want to be out on the ladders with sharks. Well, they're still on. They're still on ladders sometimes. Like the older generation does that, but the younger generation of fly fishermen on the flats, they'll just wade, um, or they'll be on a flats boat. But flats boats even back then used to be common here, and they're rare now. So. Now it's just waiting. You just wait fish. That's what I've been doing the whole time. Yeah. I got some schoolies this morning at sunrise. Nice, nice. Yeah. Where do you go? Uh, I was at one of the beaches. I'm keeping the beaches down low for the podcast. But there you go. It's the one where all the kids go and okay. chat them. It's like all the goons and they play. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm going to fish inside Stage Harbor today. Nice. So I was given a spot. Yeah. I got skunked yesterday at the mouth by the lighthouse. Nice. Yeah. Where I mean, would you uh, suggest I go today? Um, the lighthouse isn't really that good anymore because the cut kind of closed in. It's a little shallower now. Um, Morris Island's good. Everyone knows about Morris Island. Um, there's a like research center up on a hill on Morris Island. You can go out there, park there, walk down the stairs, and fish that whole island. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's use, what I'll do. Use an intermediate, or if it's high tide, use a sink tip. Okay. And, uh, I'm getting everything on just a little two-inch kind of epoxy-headed. Yeah, try some epoxy-headed clousers or just epoxy head with no weight, um, just like a deceiver pattern. And I'm using that as a dropper. I've had one fish chase my large clouser. Really? And that was the smallest fish I've seen. You want to do really, usually a really, really sparse olive and white clouser. Okay. That works really well. Dark okay. olive or light olive? Dark olive, yeah, because okay. the water's a little darker down there. It looks right. more natural. I've yet to see a sand eel. Really? Um, you don't see them. Usually, they're deeper. They're down deeper. They don't come up to the beach like poachers and stuff in Florida. And, okay. and uh, but like in the harbor, when we're coming in, look on the shorelines. You'll see the stripe, like little baby stripers in the harbor, coming up and eating. All right. Uh, little sand eels. So fantastic. Yeah. So this is a pretty uh, cush job for the summer. Yeah, it's nice. You go back and forth, different kids every day. It's good to have these kids out fishing. Yeah. It's the one time my daughter's using bait. Yeah, she's strictly flying. <laughs> I'm I'm not huge into the bait thing, but you know, you, there's no skill on the boat. You got to right. use bait. All right. Well, anything yeah. else I need to know or, or do while I'm here? Um, definitely see the sights. Cape Cod's a beautiful place. All right. Best sandwich on the Cape? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, 
You know, I really don't know. I, I have my favorite places, but I, I really like the Mason Jar in Harwichport. Like a, no one really knows about them. I mean, the locals do, and some of the people that stay here a lot know about them. But during lunchtime, it's hard to get a sandwich there because it's a good mason jar. All right. Yeah. And where can we find you again online? Are you on social media? Yep. Instagram, fly, at flyfishingmarco island. And then my website is flyfishingmarcoisland.com. And uh, yeah. All right. I think we might have to get in touch with you over the winter to find out about Florida fishing. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. All righty. Yep. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.